0: going to continue through the book of James. Uh, Matter of fact, before you go to James chapter 2, I want you to go to 1 John chapter number 3. You know, it's it's interesting that our social media environment we have today, we have this thing called Google. How many of y'all use Google? Anybody? Everybody knows that Google is 100% accurate and correct. (laughs) Contains all the truth that there is. Okay? So you don't have to wonder about... What you get off of Google. Well, I thought this was interesting because it it does help in this manner. You can put in, if you want to know what the definition of a word is, you just put define this word. And guess what? It gives you all as many definitions as you probably want to stand for. Well, I will say this. I, I looked up the word believe or belief. And so define it for me. And so everywhere from Webster's Dictionary to Oxford's Dictionary to Cambridge's Dictionary to Wikipedia, to all of them. You look at all the definitions, and here's basically what the definition of believe or belief is. And here's what it means. It means to think that something is true, correct, or real. But I want you to notice the first two words, to think that they are. It's to think that they are, to, to think that it's true, or that it's correct, or that it's real. Well, many people today say they believe in God, that he's true, that it's correct, or that he may be real, but their lives contradict their claim. Notice First John chapter 3 beginning in verse 7. As John writes for us, he says, little children. He said, make sure that no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin, because his seed abides in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In other words, we don't willfully go around attempting to sin. It's not about who we are. Sin is not a, it's not a part of our lives. and who we, are. we don't willfully seek to commit sin or to sin. Verse 10, By this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. Notice how he adds that to the end of it. Not only, not only anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, but it says, nor the one who does not love his brother. Now let's go back to James. So here's the big question. Can you divorce? Can you divorce faith? From works. Can you divorce faith from works? James chapter 2 and verse 14. And notice as James writes. He says, So what use is it? And I want you to understand he's writing to believers here. He says, What use is it, my brethren? He says, "Is is Is there any? If someone says that he has faith, in other words, a self-declaration of faith. I have faith. Matter of fact, he kind of goes back to that word believe. Do I believe in God? Yeah, I believe in God. Do you believe he's real? Yeah, I believe. Do you believe it's correct? Yeah, I believe it's correct. I believe in God. And, and oh, By the way, I, I have faith. I do have faith. But notice the next part of verse 14, as James continues, he says, but he has no works. And then he says, the end of verse 14, can that faith save him? I want you to understand who he's writing here to, his audience is Jewish, and so as he's writing to them, one of the things that they were steeped in was works. And matter of fact, everything about their life was living up to the law. Works was the big was the big emphasis. Every every bit, everything was placed on the emphasis of works. Matter of fact, a very rigid observance of rights and religion. And my dear friend, let me say this to you this morning. We can get so hung up on orthodoxy that we miss out on practice. The two go together. You can't divorce one from the other. So if we have an orthodoxy that we hold to, an orthodoxy that is true, an orthodoxy that is based upon the word of God, my dear friend, it's not about checking off the boxes over here of whether or not we're attending to everything that's written there, but it's on the other side, it's the practice of what it is that we hold to. And so here's what James is saying. He said, can, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works, can that faith save him? The issue here is not so much on the salvation question, but his question here is of salvation itself. If you claim that you have faith, then something ought to come behind that. And it's a demonstration of that faith. It's the evidence of that faith that is there for the individual. You see here, in this next portion of James's letter... James speaks of a measurable, perceivable goodness. Matter of fact, it's just like Jesus spoke of on the Sermon on the Mount. Matter of fact, when when Jesus dealt with this in the Sermon on the Mount, he dealt with the same questions and the same issue. My dear friend, it's more than just words. There are those things that are associated with it. Matter of fact, don't confuse this with what Paul... Listen, James and Paul are not in contradiction here. Paul is dealing with the subject of imputed righteousness to the believer based on our placing our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. James is dealing with it from a practical side of it by your demonstration of your faith comes through your works that you accomplish each day in your life. There ought to be evidence of that faith in our lives. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5 and look at verse 16. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. Because I want you to to notice a similarity in the words. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. Here's what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, let your light shine before men. In such a way, in other words, let me tell you what he's talking about here. This is the way you practice what it is that you claim. He says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Not glorify you, but glorify your Father who is in heaven. In other words, our lives ought to be a demonstration of what it is that we believe. So if we claim that we have faith and we claim that we're a born-again child of God, then I'll just quite frankly tell you our lives ought to reflect it that way as to, as to who we are. My dear friend, we can get so hung up on orthodoxy in our lives that we can get so rigid when it comes to our orthodoxy that we absolutely miss out on what it is that we've been called to do is to give evidence of that orthodoxy by the way that we live. That's why John, writing in 1 John chapter 3 at the end of verse number 10, not only do we practice righteousness, but we also love our brother. Let me tell you what you get. You get orthodoxy and practice in that one verse. So make sure that when you consider who we are as a believer, it is not so much orthodoxy as it is our practice, but the two of them go hand in hand with each other. You see, when you come to James chapter 3 or chapter 2 in verse 14, one of the things that you find is the practical application of the faith that we claim to possess. So that's what James is writing from, not from an imputed righteousness, but from a practical application of the faith that we claim to have. It's, in other words, what it is and is how we live each day. Verse 15 through verse 17, James continues. You know, what's interesting here is he's going to use one of these kind of hypotheticals, okay? And here it comes. He said, so, and and I love the way James does it, just so there's no confusion here, okay? It's brother or sister. Doesn't make any difference who it is. So if a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food. And one of you says to them. I'm going to pronounce a blessing on them. Go in peace, be warmed and be filled. And yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body. Notice the question that he asks. What use is that? In other words, here's what James is pointing out. You know, there's a big difference between empty words or helpful deeds. When we have the means within ourselves to help. From the days of the early church, when you go back and reflect upon the days of the early church, James writing to a Jewish audience here, one of the things that they did was, one of the things that was known about the days of the early church was, they brought all things together and had all things common. They saw to the needs. matter of fact, Acts chapter number 6, during the days of the early church, they saw that the widow women were being neglected. The women were being neglected, and so they called together and brought together men full of the Holy Spirit to do what? To serve the tables. To make sure that the needs of those that were, that were there were met. My dear friend, I hate't tell you this this morning, but we as believers, we as a church have a responsibility to all of that. To every bit of it. Let me tell you what that's called. It's called the practical side of orthodoxy. Do we hold to orthodoxy? We do, but we also hold to the practice side of it. It's got to be. The church today needs to be seen. I'll say this to you this morning, and this is what breaks my heart. This is a greater burden on my heart than anything else. The church today has lost its influence on society. Why? You know, the question is, why is that? I think it's very clear in James chapter 2. I think sometimes we've gotten so hung up on the orthodoxy that we've failed in our practice of it. Now, I don't want you to get me wrong. Don't go out of here saying the preacher's throwing orthodoxy out with the bathwater. It's not the case. It's important that we stand on sound doctrine. My dear friend, if all we do is stand on sound doctrine and we never practice what it is that we stand on, what good is it? That's what James asked here. He said, what good is it if you say that you have faith and there's nothing else behind it? Well, he goes on to verse 17. Notice what he said. Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead being by itself. It's dead. There's no life to it. None. There's, there's absolutely no life to it at all. So here's what James is saying. That a false or empty compassion without kindness and care is useless. It's useless. A false faith is an empty claim. I mean, we can go around all day saying we have faith. All James says is, "Okay, well, show me your faith by your works." In other words, there should be evidence of who we are. It ought to be seen in the way that we live every day. It ought to be seen in our lives every day of who we are. I mean, listen, it's one thing to go around and tout who we are; it's another thing to put it into practice. First John, in John, first John, matter of fact, John writing here is what he said. He said. We're not to love just in word and in tongue, but in deed and in truth. In other words, that orthodoxy and practice is put together in that same verse as John wrote. That's who we are, it's who we must be. Because if they're divorced from each other, then what do you have? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Well, he goes on to verse 18. And I want you to notice in verse 18, because the next thing, not only does James deal with an empty compassion, but he's also going to deal next with an empty conviction. An empty conviction. Notice what he says in verse 18. He said, but someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works. And Here's what he said. I will show you my faith by my works. But now I'll tell you verse 18 is connected back up to verse 17. You can't separate the two of them. Why? Because of what he said in verse 17. If it has no works, it's dead. Well, when you come to verse 18. So if someone says, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith without the works. Well, how can you do that if it's dead? There's no life there. There's nothing there. It's dead. That's what James wrote. Now, listen, I didn't come up with this. It's what James wrote. Basically, he said it's dead. So here's what James said. All right? You go that route, but here's, what I'm, here's, here's where I am. I'll show you my faith by my works. In other words, look at the evidence of who I am. Look at the evidence of my life. Look at the evidence of my life every day. That's, that's, that's where the issue is. It is seen in who we are. It is seen in what we practice. It's seen in in what we do each and every day. Then he goes on to verse 19. Remember when I started the message with defining belief? Or what the definition of belief is? Okay, To think that something is true, correct or real? I want you to notice what James writes now in verse 19. You believe that God is one. That's what he says. You believe that God is one. Let me tell you something. There are a lot of people who believe in God today, and they'll tell you so. There's a lot who believe that he's real. There's a lot who believe that he's true. My dear friend, that's as far as it goes. Notice what it says in verse 19. You do well that you believe that. You do well. But here's the problem with that. The demons also believe and they shudder. My dear friend, it's a far cry from just believing in who he is. Then he goes to verse 20 and notice what he says. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, That faith without works is useless. So James says in effect here in verse 18 through verse 20. All some people do is say that they have faith with nothing to back it up. Matter of fact, I remember growing up as a young man in school. And now I got myself in a little bit of a tight. Okay, just a small tight, no, nothing major. Okay, you ha- you have to understand. Okay, I weigh more today than I've ever weighed in my entire life. You know what? I've had people tell me, other guys, you know, husky big. Workout guys, got them, you know, all that definition all over them, you know, all these, okay. And what I've had them tell me is, you know something? My Somebody's saying it, my arm's bigger than your leg. Okay, maybe so, maybe so. But I got myself in a spot. And, And here's how, here's where I got myself. I smarted off at somebody. And so they said, are you willing to back that up? I said, maybe I'll withdraw my statement. Verse 20. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? We can say we have faith all day long. But if there's no evidence there, then what do we have? Nothing. You see, a living faith, not a dead faith, a living faith, produces good fruit. As a matter of fact, that fruit of the Holy Spirit ought to be evidence in the life of the believer. That fruit is evidence of the faith. That as it grows in our hearts and lives, that fruit becomes more evident. What fruit are you talking about? The fruit of the Spirit. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 6. 6. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6. Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 6. And then we're going to go to verse 22. Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 6 says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. Notice the last part of verse 6. But faith working through love. Do you see the use of faith and working? Do you see that connection between the two of them? What did Jesus say about our faith? It is seen by what we do, our good works. Do you see how faith and works are connected to each other? Now go to verse 22 of Galatians chapter number 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ... Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And here comes the key, verse 25. So if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, or envying one another. What did Jesus say? So that your good works are seen and all of the glory goes to your Father and not to you. So let's go back to James chapter 2. He's going to kind of bring it all to he's going to bring it all to a close. That's one writer put it so well because I'm going to tell you where James is getting ready to go back to. He's getting ready to go back to one that they would understand very very clearly and that's Abraham and Rahab the harlot. But here's what James is getting ready to say. As another writer put this, I didn't come up with this one, okay? But as one writer put it, here's what he says. He said, Belief in the truth of Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. He said, Belief in the truth of Deuteronomy 6 4 without obedience to chapter 6 and verse 5 is a worthless belief. And you're probably wondering, what in the world is that? Well, It's called and referred to as the Shema. If you'll go to Deuteronomy chapter number 6, you'll see what he's talking about. You're going to see the orthodoxy in verse verse 4 and the practice in verse 5. As the two go hand in hand. Notice chapter 6 and verse number 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Followed up immediately by verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all of your might. Belief in the truth of Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 4 without obedience to verse 5 of chapter 6 is a worthless belief. Why? There's no evidence of it. Let's go back to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. Verse 19, we see that it's no different than the demons when it comes to just belief. But now we come to verse 21 through verse 26. Notice as James writes, he says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? Well, that's a legitimate question is that what brought about his was that was that what brought about his justification was the mere sacrificing of Isaac on the altar verse 22 you see that faith notice notice the wording here he says notice the faith what the faith was what it was working in other words, there was evidence of that faith that Abraham believed God. Romans chapter 4 in verse number 2, it speaks about that relationship that, that Abraham had with God. And because of Abraham's belief, it was counted to him as righteousness. He believed God. He believed in God. He followed God. His life was a demonstration of that belief that he had in God. He called him from the earth, of the Chaldees, led him to Haran, brought him down into what's known as the promised land, into the land of Canaan. He followed God without any reservation. He left everything and he moved out based upon a promise that God was, had made to him that he had no idea of what it contained. His righteousness is what brought about his justification because he believed God and who he was. Notice the next part of verse 22. Faith was perfected or completed. And the scripture was fulfilled which says, And Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. In other words, it was laid to his account because of it. And he was called... Notice what he's referred to here. He's called the friend of God. That's the relationship that Abraham had with God. And if anyone would have understood that, it would have been the readers that were reading James' letter. But he didn't stop there either. He goes on. Verse 24, You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works. She she acted on her faith. Matter of fact, when you go back and read the account, she acted even on her faith when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Let me say this. If we've been born again by the spirit of God... And we have placed our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, then there ought to be evidence in our lives every day of that claim. That's what James is saying. Because if you claim that you're a born again believer, if you claim that you have faith, and there is absolutely no evidence on the other side of it, then guess what? It's useless. It is an empty claim. You see, faith and works work together. Our justification because of our faith is evidenced or demonstrated by our working it out each day, living it out for those around us to see that. And works, listen, works are a completion of a genuine faith. That's what James wrote. He said when it's perfected. In other words, when it's completed. It is complete in our lives. Abraham went to offer up Isaac his son as a sacrifice. What did it say about him when he did that? Well, turn to, just flip over to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 and look at verse 8 through verse 10. Because I want you to notice everything that is said about him. You see, faith is associated with Abraham and who he was. But I also want you to notice the works that came with that faith. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse number 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeying by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Verse 9. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land dwelling in tents, with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundation, whose architect and builder is God. Well, flip over to verse 17 through verse 19. Verse 17 through verse 19. And notice, by faith Abraham. You see that again? By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said In Isaac, your descendants shall be called. Now look at verse 19. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. That's where Abraham was. The offering up of Isaac was what? It was a demonstration. It was evidence of the faith that he had in God himself. So let me ask you, where's ours? Where's yours today? Is your faith demonstrated? Is there evidence every day in your life of the faith that you have? James chapter 2, he finishes in verse 25 with Rahab. And I want you to understand who she was. She was Rahab the harlot. She was a Gentile. You ready for that? She believed God. And she took care of a situation because of her faith and belief in God. And are you ready for this? Turn to Matthew chapter 1 sometime when you have a chance. And you'll notice that she's listed in the genealogy of Jesus Christ himself. Huh? Huh? Our faith is evidenced by our works. That's where we should be verse 26, James chapter 2, he said, but be careful, for just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. It's interesting that James ends this portion of his letter, he sets before us a dead body and a dead faith. You know, I thought, James, you could have encouraged us a little bit more. Well, just hold on, wait till you get to chapter 3. Because he does. But here's what he wants us to see. My dear friend, listen to me. It's one thing to say with our mouth one thing and not do anything about it on the other side. See a dead body and a dead faith or what? They're useless. And so just as a dead body is useless of anything life-giving or life-accomplishing at all, so is a dead faith. So, Brother Robert, how do you apply all of this? I mean, okay, that's all fine, well, and good, and faith without works is dead. But, 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 but what do I do with this at the end of the day? I mean, where, where do I carry this from here? Well, I think the Scripture gives us an answer. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number 5. Because see, hearing this is one thing, doing it's another. Not having a faith that is dead, but having a faith that is alive. It ought to be seen in our lives every day. day. Second Corinthians chapter 13, notice with me verse number 5. Notice what it says. Test yourselves to see if you're in the faith. So let me ask you a question. Do you, do, do you love being around the people of God? Do you love reading and studying the Word of God? Do you love being involved in missions? Do you love giving Do you love the opportunity to be able to praise Him? Do you love and have the opportunity to be able to share your faith? All of those things about our lives that reflect on who we are, which is evidence of our faith that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, are we as much in love on this side, on the practical side, as we are oftentimes on the orthodoxy side? Well, he goes on in verse 5. He said, test yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourselves. Ask yourself the questions. Or do you not recognize this about, in other words, or do you not recognize this about yourself? Let me tell you something. Sometimes it is important that we re examine ourselves to see that we're, that, that we're still where we should be and where we need to be, that there's a, there's a practical side to who we are. And then Paul says, Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Hmm. Unless indeed you fail the test. See, when Jesus saved you, he didn't save you to keep you like you were. He saved you to be conformed to the image of his son. To grow in our faith each and every day. So here's what James writes. You say you have faith. And there's no evidence. I hate to tell you this. But your faith is dead. But I'll show you a living faith. By the evidence of what I do in my life. Every day. Just to give you an example. Abraham did. So did Rahab the harlot. What about us today? Are we demonstrating What it is that we're claiming to hold.